0: have is the best Bible you need. So if if you're looking for translations and stuff, we can talk a little bit about what advantages are for this and for that. But today, I just uh, wanted to keep myself on my toes, and you too. So (laughs) we're reading from the New International Version today. And this says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so here's Jesus, the Son of God. He's taking a stroll And he walks beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers. What were the brothers' names? Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were what kind of people? They were fishers, or they were fishermen. Okay, so here's Jesus. What I want us just to kind of note as we just kind of, this is an introduction, or introductory verse. But I just want us to note something that it's not the brothers who are looking for Jesus at this point. It's Jesus who finds the brothers, okay? I want you to notice that we serve a God who seeks us out. Amen. And even when we don't see him, he sees us. Amen. So they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And the, f- the very first words that come out of Jesus' mouth, verse 19, red letters in my Bible, it says, Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. All right, so verse 19, I want to zero in right there. Verse 19, the call of Jesus, what's the command? What's the instruction in verse 19? What is it? Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus gives a call and he also gives a promise. Did you catch that? What is the promise in verse 19? I will make you fishers of men. This is very, very powerful. V- few words, but deep meaning. First of all, Jesus promises to make us. Think about who's talking here. Jesus, the word of God, through whom all things were created in the first place, right? And he is promising to these fishermen, I'm going to make you. That word in the Greek, it's, it's construct you, shape you, build you. And when Jesus makes this promise, what is it specifically that he's promising to construct them into? Fishers, right? Or fishers of men. Okay, so here they are. They're already fishers. They're already fishers. By the way, I love this about Jesus. He, when he approaches your seaside, when he approaches your shore, He's not going to cast aside who you are. Interesting. He sees fishermen, and he doesn't say, I'm going to make you doctors. He sees fishermen and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He takes them where they are and wants to transform them into something for his sacred purpose. This is powerful. Okay, so here is Jesus, and he says, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men that that verb i will make. Uh, we've already referenced this. Actually, let's write this down. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 and go ahead and turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians is in the New Testament. So if you start in Matthew, just keep flipping to the right, flipping to the right. You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then the letters to the Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and everything starts getting a lot smaller after that. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, when you're in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, go ahead and say, I found it. Okay, okay, if you have a friend or a neighbor that needs help finding it, go ahead, reach over. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we've read this before, but what I want us to see something is that the very same make, the very same promise that Jesus says to the fishermen, I will make you I will transform and construct and work you into fishers of men. He says uh, that that same verb is, is used as a noun in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Reading from the NIV, it says, For we are God's workmanship. That's what my Bible says. You see that? For we are God's workmanship. That's, that's, coming, from, that's coming from the same word that was used. I will make you fishers of men. So here's the final product. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to, get, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Question. Did God prepare in advance for me to do the same work as you? No. When God makes, he doesn't use cookie cutters. When God transforms and when God shapes us into his workmanship, He makes us uniquely designed, divinely designed for the good works that he already has prepared for us to do. And here's where I want us to make the connection. So the fishers of men, I mean you saw you saw some of them graduate today, right? (laughs) They're they're fishers of, they're graduating from fishers of men 101. Now here's the thing, I don't know if Brooke uh, really described in in detail the kinds of things that they've been trained to do. They've been trained to, to, to simply prepare a, a simple Bible study to share with somebody else, okay? That, that, that's all that they're, I'm sorry, that's not all that they were trained to do, <laughs> but they were trained to do some, some very simple things in order to lead someone else to truth, amen? amen? Okay, this is great, but is that the picture of a fisher of men, or is that a picture of a fisher of men? A picture, okay, and that's where I'm getting at. The, the, when Jesus called the 12 disciples, um, and he, he promised to make them fishers of men, if they would follow. And did they follow, yes or no? Yes, yes. Okay, as Bill pointed out, they left their nets and followed him. That, that means that the rest of the story, the promise was being fulfilled in their experience, okay? That they were becoming fishers of men. Now, the reality is this, that not all of God's followers fish in the same way. Okay, let's establish this from the very beginning because this is going to kind of dictate the rest of our study. Not all of God's followers fish in the same way. Think about this, even just the 12 disciples, did they all fish for men in the same way? Yes or no? No. In fact, when we think, when you think of a fisher of men in the Bible, uh, who, who immediately comes to your mind? Paul. Okay, who else? Peter. Okay, very good. All right. Now, what about Bartholomew? What about Thaddeus? (laughs) What about Simon the Zealot or James, son of Alphaeus? Didn't they follow Jesus, too? Well, you know, maybe they were fishers of men, but in different ways. Are we following today, yes or no? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Fishing in style. Today, we're going to talk about six fishing styles. All right? Six fishing styles, because here's the honest truth. Some of us, we think of Paul, we think of Peter, those are fishers of men, and we see ourselves, and we say, I'm not Paul, I'm not Peter, I'm not a fisher of men. Ooh. But what if, in scripture, there are fishers of men who are fishing in different ways? Okay? We all have the same call to fish, but maybe we have different kinds of nets. Maybe we have different kinds of lures. Maybe some are fly fishers. Maybe some are sea fishers. You know, whatever the case might be, uh, we've we've all got the opportunity to fish in style. So, fishing style number one, you ready to write this down? And this one, um, we'll use nice, big, fancy words for this, okay? Fishing style number one is the confrontational style, all right? Confrontational style. Exhibit A, we'll use Peter, all right? Exhibit A, Peter, and let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. And so we're going to go through these six different styles, look at six different scriptures or passages that kind of exemplify this. So you're writing and you're turning in your pages. All right, Acts chapter 2. Verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. When you found it, go ahead and say amen. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 2, just a little bit of background. This is the day of Pentecost. Uh, Nearly 40 days after Jesus has ascended from his uh, time with the disciples. I'm sorry, 10 days after. And in uh, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out, people are wondering what's going on, and Peter gets up to speak, okay? And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Is that direct, yes or no? (laughs) Okay, he's getting very direct. He's confronting them with a message, confronting them with truth. In fact, if you get down to verse, let's see here, verse 36. Okay, so just a few verses later, he's continuing to proclaim this message, putting the dots together, kind of explaining things. And in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Is Peter known to beat around the bush, yes or no? No, (laughs) okay. And in verse 40, it gets even more passionate. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. All right, so here, I'm going to put Peter right here, confrontational style, okay? And if you want a gesture for this, let's do this one, okay? Okay. This is, this is the confrontational style um, of evangelism right here. Okay, (laughs) so there's Peter exhibit it. We might put others into that category. Some might say Paul. Yeah, he definitely filled those shoes. Paul, I'm going to use Paul as an example for the second style. Can we do that? But let me just say something about confrontational. The traits of the confrontational style, they're direct. Uh, They skip the niceties, okay, (laughs) and they just get right to the point, okay? And so sometimes, you know what. Uh, we'll talk about this later, I guess, but we'll, let's, let's keep going through this, so confrontational style is the, is, is the first style, the second one is the intellectual style, okay, so this is fishing style number two, intellectual, sometimes related to the confrontational, because sometimes you just need to, you know, point out point A, B, C, D, in order to be very direct, but intellectual style, and we're going to use Paul, we're going to use Paul as exhibit A for this one, go with me to Acts chapter 18, All right, so you're in Acts chapter 2. Just flip a few chapters to the right. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, and we're going to look at verse 4. All right, when you're there, say amen. Okay, so here's Paul. He comes into a town called Corinth. He meets some friends there, and in verse 4, it says this every Sabbath, he, speaking of Paul, what's the next word in your Bible? Reasoned. He reasoned in the synagogue, trying to, what's next in your verse? Persuade Jews and Greeks. This is a little bit different. You see the difference between Peter's uh, upfront, almost in your face, plain declaration, and then Paul's reasoning, persuasiveness, yeah? So this is, uh, this is an analytical form of of fishing. It's it's logical. It's reasoning. It's connecting the dots and doing it almost in a discussion form rather than a proclamation form. Do you follow that today? Yeah? Um, Maybe another example of this would be Apollos in the same chapter, just towards the end of the chapter, verse 27 and 28. Chapter 18, verse 27 and 28. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Now notice verse 28, for he, Apollos, vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. All right, so there are confrontational aspects to the intellectual style. You're seeing that, but here Paul and Apollos, they kind of used uh, their reason, they used their analytical thinking in order to to kind of move people along towards decision. Alright, so here we are. Style number one is confrontational. Style number two is intellectual. And I tell you what, like we said, Peter, Paul, those are the guys that we think of uh, when we think of fishes of men. And so maybe you're not confrontational. Anybody else there? Okay, <laughs> maybe you're not, uh, maybe you don't feel like you've got the, uh, the intellectual prowess You know, to kind of debate people down or to to persuade people along. And so maybe you feel like just because you're not style number one or style number two, that you don't have what it takes to fish for men. But guess what? There's four more we're going to talk about. All right. (laughs) All right. So here we go. Ready? Style number three is testimonial. Testimonial. Oh, wait. Before we move on. Before we move on. So gesture for confrontational is this guy. All right. Gesture for intellectual. Um, we'll just do this, okay? Yeah, yeah. Just okay. Style number three. Style number three is testimonial. Okay, testimonial. Go to First John, not the Gospel of John, but First John chapter one verse three. First John chapter one verse three. So uh, you're flipping in your Bible, getting close to Revelation, but if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. First John chapter one verse. Three. First John chapter one verse three. And when you're there, say Amen. You know John was actually one of those disciples that was fishing that day too. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, we didn't read the rest of that verse in Matthew chapter four. But after he after Jesus calls Simon Peter and Andrew, he goes now to James and John. These are fishermen too. And so again. John didn't necessarily uh, confront people in the same way that that Peter did or that Paul did, but notice how he writes his letters. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want to zero in on that first phrase. What is John proclaiming when, when he's writing to, uh, to his churches, when he's, you know, sharing messages? What is it that he's proclaiming? His experience with Jesus, what he has seen and heard. In fact, just some cross-references in John chapter 20, verse 31, John basically gives his whole purpose in writing. He says, and all this has been written, written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and might have life in him. So he's telling all these stories that he's seen and he's heard. He's sharing his testimony. He's sharing his testimony. Uh, we might think of uh, John as, as someone who was on the front lines, so to speak, because when you read through the book of Acts, it's usually Peter and John, right? Peter and John, they're kind of tag-teaming things. They're standing before the Sanhedrin. Uh, we must obey God rather than men, you know, all these things, but usually it's Peter. He's the one that's kind of the spokesperson, and John, you really don't see very much in the narrative as far as his ministry, but what you do see is that he writes a lot. And one of the largest books that he wrote, the book of Revelation, he was simply writing what he saw and heard from Jesus. He was sharing his testimony. And so here's John. He is a fisher of men, too. He may not necessarily be confrontational, all right? He may not necessarily be the intellectual. But here's my gesture for the testimonial. This is what he did for me. This is what he did for me. Are we following this today, yes or no? Yeah, this is powerful. Okay, so Fisher of Men, uh, the the, the testimonial individual is a clear communicator, one who is able to to understand someone else's experience and relate it to their own. Okay, this is someone who knows his or her own story so well that they're able to see the stories of others and connect the dots. This is great. Okay, so confrontational, intellectual, testimonial. All right, here's fishing style number four. Interpersonal. Interpersonal. Okay, now we're getting into words that we're just like, okay, can we look up a dictionary here? Okay, interpersonal. We're talking about relationships uh, between people. Interpersonal. Exhibit A is Levi Matthew. Levi Matthew, Go with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5 and verses 27 to 29. So if you're writing that down, you can write Luke chapter 5 verses 27 to 29. All right. This is the interpersonal style of fishing. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to find the story of an individual who was called to follow Jesus. And though we don't have huge volumes that tell about the ministry of Levi-Matthew, we do have this short narrative, the short snippet of what Levi-Matthew did when he did follow Jesus. All right, so if you're in Luke chapter 5, say amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. The Bible says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Okay, what kind of individual was this guy Levi? (laughs) All right, someone groans and grunts over here, okay? He was a tax collector, worked for the IRS, okay? Here we go. He's not necessarily popular, but Jesus says, follow me. And in verse 28, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Verse 29, notice the very first thing this story records. Then Levi held a great banquet for who? For Jesus at his house... And a large crowd of what kind of people? And a large crowd of publicans or tax collectors, however your Bible puts it. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. This was Levi Matthew's sphere of influence. These were the people that he, you know, he bumped shoulders with, rubbed elbows with every single day. And now because Jesus has stepped into his life. By the way, when Jesus steps into your life, everything changes. Did you know that? (laughs) When Jesus steps into your life, everything changes, and so Levi Matthew says, I'm following Jesus, and the very first response is, let's have a party, okay? Do you see he's very relational, okay? He's interpersonal, and he's using those relationships in order for others to be exposed to the same one that has changed his life. Jesus, when he walked by Levi Matthew, Levi Matthew recognized, I'm a different person. I need others to hang out with Jesus too. And what did he do? Did he confront them with truth? Did he reason with them about why Jesus is the Messiah? Maybe he shared a little bit of his own story. We don't see that recorded, but what we do see is that he used his relationships to hang out. And so I'm just going to use this. Okay? Okay. <laughs> This is the gesture of the interpersonal. come on, come on, come on, come on, okay? So the traits of this person, they're, they're, they're people-oriented. Uh, they move along, the, the pace of things, their priorities are friendships. They value the mingling impact of relationships. Okay, um, there's a, there's a verse, actually, in 1 Corinthians, you can write this as a cross-reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Paul actually kind of tells about his own ministry philosophy at times. He says that, you know, to the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Greek, I became a Greek. You know, to this person, I met them where they were, you know? So, so there's, an, there's a value in kind of meeting people where they are, and that's what Levi Matthew did. He said, look, this is where we are. Let, let's come to Jesus together. And so he brought them in. All right, so four styles so far. We've got the confrontational. We've got the intellectual. We've got the testimonial. And we've got the interpersonal. Here's fishing style number five, write it down. Fishing style number five, invitational, okay? Invitational. Some of these, you're thinking to yourself, they kind of overlap, and, and yes, that's true. But, uh, and we'll talk a little, about that, a little bit about that in just a moment. But this fishing style number five is the invitational, invitational style. And exhibit A, we're gonna use a woman. Her, na- her name is actually not recorded in scripture, but it's the woman at the well. Okay, woman at the well. Go with me to John chapter 4. So you're in Luke, go to the next book, John chapter 4, and we'll look specifically at verses 29 to 30. John chapter 4, verses 29 to 30. This is the story in which Jesus, he's actually traveling uh, from from. I think he's going from Jerusalem all the way up north, and he has to go through Samaria. And uh, nobody exactly knows why until Jesus has this divine appointment with a woman who's out getting water midday. And in John chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, if you're there, say amen. Okay. This woman, after having this conversation, this this short dialogue with Jesus, uh, I'll start in verse 28, actually. In verse 28, it says, Then, leaving her water jar... In other words, the very, uh, the original purpose or her original intent for being there in the first place, she no longer needs that anymore after meeting Jesus, okay? Jesus has trumped her previous agenda. Jesus has trumped her priorities. All right, so then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, if you were in a homiletics class, if you were in a preaching class, would this be a grade A sermon, yes or no? (laughs) In terms of like a three-point, you know, whatever, a thesis, intro, conclusion, things like that. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no like scholastic work behind this. This is a simple invitation, okay? So here's the gesture for the invitational stuff. Come, come see a man, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did, and that's how it's kind of related to the testimonial aspect. She's just telling the story. She's making an invitation based upon her own experience. Okay, and so, I, I suppose you know even the disciples themselves. Uh, one in particular I think of is Andrew. Andrew was a man who who used this invitational style as well. In fact, in John chapter one. In John chapter 1, when uh, when John the Baptist says, hey, look, that's the Lamb of God. (laughs) Andrew happens to be one of the individuals who hears John say this. Andrew goes to run after Jesus, but before he goes too far, guess who he gets to go with him? Do you know this story? Oh, boy, do you know this story? Okay, okay, we need to go there. John chapter (laughs) 1. We're just a a few chapters earlier. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and it's in verse 40. There we go. 40 and 41. John chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, we're going to have to go super speed here. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. You love that? He simply brought him to Jesus. He didn't use a huge sermon. He didn't expound on this scripture or that. He just said, come, come with me. And so we've got five styles so far, right? Confrontational, the intellectual, what was the next one? Testimonial, uh, Interpersonal, thank you, you guys are great. Okay, interpersonal, and now it's the invitational. Okay, we're going to go, this is our last one, number six, fishing style, number six. And, you know, all the other other words were big and ended with AL and stuff like that, but this one is kind of different, okay? (laughs) This one is just serving, okay? Serving, and if you're looking for a gesture, if you're drawing stick men on your, your notes or something like that, just an extended hand, all right? This is serving. And the the example that we're going to go to is in the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Exhibit A, her name was Tabitha. Others might know her as Dorcas. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to take a look at verses 36 and 39. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 and 39. When you found it, go ahead and say, I found it. No. Not yet. All right. Still waiting. Okay. Right. <laughs> Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 36. Just a little bit of context. Peter is kind of, he's going on his own travels now, ministering beyond his known comfort zones. But he, f- he comes to a city called Joppa. And if you're there, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. The Bible says, in Joppa... There was a disciple, I like that, okay, a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, and what's the description in the rest of verse 36? What do you know about this individual? She she was full of good works, my Bible says, and was always doing good and helping the poor, okay? It doesn't say anything about having handwritten Bible studies in her back pocket, It doesn't say anything about having huge, uh, you know, um, just arguments up her sleeve. Although, these aren't bad things to have, right? (laughs) But this is an individual who is always doing good and helping the poor. Actually, uh, the situation here is that she became sick, she passed away, And the believers around in in Joppa, they asked Peter to come, to come, to come. And in verse 39, it says, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And so just a, a strong testimony of an individual who maybe, maybe Tabitha wasn't this, right? Maybe Tabitha wasn't this. She wasn't this, she was, you know, I'm not going to do them all. (laughs) But she was simply serving, always going about doing good. And did it have impact, yes or no? It sure did. She was still fishing for men. And I hope we see the truth of this. Now, this is not meant to be a cop-out to confronting individuals with truth. This is not meant to be a cop-out, to not, to, to, maybe I don't want to share my personal story, and I'll just revert to this, or I'll revert to that. No, 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 it's just to show that there are more than one way to fish for men, okay? There's more than one way to fish for men. Now, why is this so? Some might ask, you know, like, why would God design it so that we had different spiritual gifts to, to kind of fit into these different fishing styles, We've talked about this before. Remember in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10? Uh, you can write this down. Uh, yeah, First Peter chapter four, verse 10. In the New King James, it says that God has given us the, the manifold grace of God. In, in the NIV, it says that we're using our gifts to, to be a demonstration of the various forms of grace. In other words, God's grace is so varied. It's multicolored, it's manifold. Why is God's grace manifold like this? Why does it have different shades? Why does it have different forms? Why? It's because sin itself is so manifold. Humanity's need is so manifold, it's so diverse. It's because not one individual who, who needs Jesus needs Jesus in the same way. And the reason why I kind of the reason why I kind of posted Peter and Paul and you know all these individuals kind of along in this spectrum is because. If you, if you want to conceptualize this, there are different, you know, in, in Christian thinking, there's different, um, I guess you could say, theories or descriptions of people's receptivity to the gospel. Receptivity simply means um, openness, their, their willingness to receive the gospel. And so you've got some people who have no framework of the supernatural in their minds, right? You've got, you, you've got people who have no interest that there could be someone who is supernatural who cares about them. Now, for that individual, let, let's call him John Doe, for that individual, is Peter's confrontational style going to be the net that catches him right away? Yes or no? No, they could care less. But, would Dorcas's acts of service have an impact on John Doe's life? Yes. Do you understand that fishing for men requires the whole spectrum because there are people along the whole spectrum of need and openness? So Peter's confrontational style, by the way, in Acts chapter 2, when he's confronting the people, he's talking to people who are already familiar with Old Testament scriptures. He's talking to people who have seen different things, who are experienced with different things, And so they have an openness to spiritual things. And so that confrontation was, it was the the hook that got them across to the other line. They were ready for it. But John Doe over there probably wouldn't be ready until maybe, until maybe someone serves him with disinterested love. Unconditional love. Until maybe someone enfolds him into some relationships, invites him here or there, or maybe tells their own story of how things impacted their lives. Then, maybe John Doe is starting to move towards asking questions. And when those questions are answered by the intellectual Paul or Apollos, then they need a confrontation with truth to make a decision. Are we following this today? Yes or no? All right, so... We, whatever style we're fishing with, whatever kind of nets you are equipped with, look, it's needed. It is needed. Because Peter can't get John Doe unless Dorcas is doing her thing. The manifold grace of God because the manifold need of humanity. This is exciting to me. And the reality is that... uh, Oh, man, now, now I'm all of breath. <laughs> the reality is, when you start thinking about these, we've kind of grouped them. Uh, let's see. Man, let's see if we can remember this. Okay, so we have confrontational, intellectual, and then testimonial. Thank you. Okay, so these three, these are, um, I, I kind of grouped this. These are the ways we share the content of our witness, okay? These are ways that we share the content of our witness. You know, Jesus once said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world, Right? In the, same, uh, in the same passage, he also says, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth, okay? Now, light clearly uh, makes things known. Salt, however, makes people thirsty, okay? <laughs> so here, uh, the first three, it's, it's the ways that we tend to communicate knowledge. It's the ways that we tend to communicate content. These last three deal with the ways that we tend to build relationships. Do you see that? It's the interpersonal, it's the invitational, it's the serving. You know, these are the ways that we kind of connect with people. And so as you're looking at this spectrum of the the six fishing styles, maybe you kind of, do you see yourself in that a little bit? Yeah, do you kind of see yourself somewhere? Or maybe you see yourself doing this sometimes and maybe reverting to this at other times. And maybe the reason is because we have a tendency to build relationships in one of these three ways, and we have a tendency to communicate knowledge in one of these three ways. Is that confusing, or did we follow that? Okay, <laughs> man, I guess this is where the whiteboard would help. Okay. <clears throat> now, <sighs> as we work with this, we need to recognize that every one of us is needed for this mission. There is no fishing style that is better than the other. Is that okay to say there is no fishing style that is better than the other? The simple challenge is to go fish. <laughs> and go fish in style. Okay? Not just with the latest duds on or whatever, but go go fish in your style. Now, does this mean that God is never going to give you an opportunity to fish out of your style? Ah, waja. <laughs> Okay, now I remember a man named Moses, right? (laughs) He was a shepherd, right? Uh, You know, he, obviously he grew up in the palaces of Egypt, but after a while he went to to herd the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. And after 40 years in the wilderness, he's, you know, he's been hanging out with sheep for decades now, and God says, now I want you to go lead something else. (laughs) I want you to go shepherd a nation. Hey, hey, wait. God, that's not necessarily my style. <laughs> I want you to speak before, but that's, that's not And And God has this conversation in Exodus chapter 3. He says, Moses, who made man's mouth? Right? <laughs> but I stutter, Moses, who are you talking to right now? <laughs> okay. So just because we're identifying styles and we're encouraging us to find our style doesn't necessarily mean that God is never going to call us to, to fish out of style. Okay? And if he does call us, faithful is he who called us, who also will do it. That's a promise you can take to the bank. What is that? 1 Thessalonians 5, I believe it's verse 24. Ooh, someone proved me wrong right now. Okay. 1 <laughs> Thessalonians five twenty-four. God promises, faithful is he who calls us, who also will do it. I'm going to double check this one. Yes, okay, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. If you want to commit that one to memory better than I have, praise God. All right. Now, I want to share one last verse with you and go back to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, okay. In Luke chapter 5, actually, what we'll do is we'll share two more verses with you. Luke chapter 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you've got paper, you want to write down Luke, chapter 5, verse 10. And 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 26. God has called us to fish, friends. And fishing is not just a, uh, it's not just a cute way for Jesus to talk. This is actually very intentional by the Son of God when he says this. Luke, chapter 5, are you there? Luke, chapter 5? I'm looking at verse 10. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. This is Luke's uh, rendition of the the call by the sea. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible says, And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. How many of you kind of shake a little bit when you think about fishing? Yeah? Okay. And Jesus, right? He's the one who calls us. He also will do it. He says, don't be afraid And this is how the NIV puts it from now on you will catch men This is pretty exciting that word catch it comes from this greek verb zoogreo (laughs) It simply means to capture alive uh, but that's really what it literally means. It, it's to capture alive. It's only used one other time in all of Scripture, and it's in Second Timothy chapter two. In Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-six. If you have that, say Amen. All right, I don't have it yet, so I'll say Amen in just a minute. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-six. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. This is the only other time it is used in Scripture. I'll start in verse twenty-five. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, so here, Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy apparently has to deal with some opposers of the truth, people who have been um, maybe antagonistic towards Timothy's ministry. And, and Paul is counseling him, okay, just deal with them, deal with them this way, deal with them that way. And in verse 26, it says, And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The only other time greo is used in scripture is to describe people who have been caught alive by who? By the devil. So when Jesus comes to the shore and he says, from now on, you are going to catch men. You're taking prisoners of war. Your fishing and my fishing, whether it's in style or out of style, your fishing means life or death. So, who wants to go fish? Amen. Amen. Okay. Your fishing and my fishing means life or death. From now on, you will catch men. That's a promise. Jesus doesn't say, from now on, you might catch men. Jesus doesn't say, from now on, it would be a great idea if you could catch men. No, 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 no. When you follow, you will fish. (laughs) Ah, that's exciting to me. (laughs) Because I tell you what, there are times where I have no idea what I'm doing. There are times where I wish I was somewhere else. (laughs) But because I'm following, God has called me to fish. And so whatever the hang-ups, whatever the fears, God says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. There are captives who need to be taken captive back. (laughs) Okay? And so this is the call. The appeal is simply this. To go fish in style. Use your strengths, whatever they may be. God has wired you, shaped you. Use your strengths and go catch captives back. Go get them. Pray and plead with God. We have been for these 40 days, whoever, you know, those of us who have been doing the, the 40 days of prayer, we've been praying over this certain set of people, praying, God, please catch them. And God is asking you and me, will you be an answer to your own prayer? Pray and plead with God that he would use you to catch and so here's the take-home challenge. Here's the take-home challenge. Very specific. I mean, you might have your own applications up your sleeve right now. And I pray that you do. Maybe you're grabbing for your, your yellow survey right now and you're starting, to, okay, yeah, I need to go catch. I need to go get, uh, m- Maybe you're thinking about that sign-up table there in the back and where you're gonna fit into the, the prophecies, um, excuse me, the Revelation of Hope Seminar. But here's my specific take-home challenge, okay? 28 days from now. Do you know what's happening 28 days from now? 28 days from now, we get to open up Bellarmine Hall to friends, neighbors, relatives, people we've never met before. We get to open up Bellamin Hall for the truth of God to be proclaimed in power. Amen. We get to see nets being thrown. Okay? And we can be a part of that process. But here's the specific challenge. For the next 28 days, use your style, whether it's this. <laughs> whether it's this. Whether it's this, whether it's this, or this, or this, okay? Use your style in the next 28 days to bring someone to opening night. Very specific. Bring someone to opening night. Use your net. Go catch. Go fish. And I've been praying. This this has been my prayer for the last uh, 40 days that there would be at least 30 of us who would bring one person to opening weekend. And I thought to God, okay, God, this is a specific prayer. Is it too small? <laughs> 30 of us. I mean, think about how many of us there are in this in this sanctuary right now. If just 30 of us caught one, just to, and I don't want to, you know, when we use the words like catch and things like that, I don't, I don't want to be insensitive towards people and, and and treat them as objects or projects or anything. No, no. These are souls that are captive to something, and God wants to take them captive back, okay? So I'm not trying to devalue anyone, but I, I ask God, man, could there be 30 of us who simply bring one to opening weekend? Is that prayer too big? I want to hear a better Know than that. <laughs> I'll keep praying, don't worry, I'll keep praying. <laughs> but I've been praying personally, God, give me one to bring, give me one to bring. And that's just how, how simple a prayer it is. Use your net, whatever style it is, because there are people all along the spectrum who need to be caught. So, how many of you are willing? That's a very specific challenge. The next 28 days, use your net. Use your net to go fish. And just by the raising of hand. How many of you desire, by the grace of God, to go fish? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I see more than 30. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this is our desire. You know, the scriptures are very clear. When we look at different uh, stories and examples, Lord, I thank you that you use stories like that so that we can see ourselves in the stories. And it's true, God. Some of us uh, are overwhelmed by fear, even just at the prospect of this. But Lord, I pray. that as as we see the possibility and not just the possibility but the reality that you have called us to fish in style then i pr-